the Great Hall to prepare for Christmas. Some of us here, um, there may be some folks wandering in and out during different activities, uh, but we'll go ahead and get started today talking about modern prophets. Let's start with prayer. This is a prayer that is often attributed to Oscar Ramiro, who we'll talk about in a moment, but was not actually written by him. It was inspired by his ministry and written by Bishop Ken Untenor. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, but it is a beautiful prayer nonetheless, so I'll start us with that. God be with you. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No one program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something, and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future that is not our own. Amen. Today, we'll talk about modern prophets. Last week, we talked about biblical prophets, and I shared a lot of information about biblical prophets. Okay, Jamal's getting us set up so that this can be even bigger. Um, last week, I threw out a lot of information about biblical prophets, uh, but this week I hope that it will be more of a conversation because there are innumerable modern prophets, um, unlike biblical prophets where we have a set number of books that are in our biblical canon. I can't possibly cover all of the modern prophets. So I'll give you a few examples of folks that I find interesting, whose work I admire and appreciate. Um, and then I hope to hear from you about some prophets that you um, acknowledge in your own life. And then hopefully we'll also have some time to talk about 
how each of us can live a prophetic life in just a small way um, as this prayer that we started with names. Each of us is doing just a small part of bringing God's kingdom to the world. So first, I want to offer kind of a frame for this conversation. I want us to think about the who and the how of modern prophets and prophecy. Who are modern prophets? And how do we live a prophetic life? I'll start us with a quote that's from Pope Francis. Um, and it begins, a prophet, brothers and sisters, is each one of us. He continues, a prophet is he who, by virtue of baptism, helps others read the present under the action of the Holy Spirit. The prophet understands God's plans and aligns yourself with them. I'll say that again. A prophet is he who, by virtue of baptism, helps others read the present under the action of the Holy Spirit. Prophets understand God's plans and align yourselves with them. Okay. Thanks, Jamal. I'll offer a reminder of some of the work that a prophet does. Last week, I shared these as we were talking about biblical prophets, and I was naming the sort of traits that we can look for when we look at Scripture, because sometimes folks are named as prophets, and sometimes they offer prophetic actions but are not named as such. Um, so we might take someone like Mary, um, who was not named as a prophet, but certainly did a lot of prophetic activity. Um, her song, The Magnificat, is, I think, a prophetic utterance. Um, her life, she really lived out a prophetic life as well. Um, so I'll name some of the duties of a prophet, because it's much more than just predicting the future, which I think is sometimes what we assume when we say prophet kind of colloquially. So the first job of a prophet is intercession. They intercede between Yahweh, between God and God's people. They ask questions of God and they interpret visions from God, either their own visions or visions God has offered to another. They do the work of proclamation. They proclaim the word of God, they advise monarchs, and they archive prophetic utterances. So they're librarians of sorts as well, archivists. They help with communal rule. They teach and lead disciples, their own disciples and disciples of our faith in general. They constructed and guarded the temple in biblical times, um, but we might find sort of a, a modern uh, similarity there. And they resolve disputes as a judge. Prophets also do performance. This is one of the oft forgotten uh, things that a prophet might do. So in biblical prophets, we see musical and poetic performances. Um, they, of course, perform miracles and they share their visions. Um, but that musical and poetic piece, I think, is really interesting, especially when we look at modern prophets who might be offering us a distinct word through song or poetry. Um, that is also a piece of the work of the prophet. 
Sort of a simple shorthand that I sometimes think of with prophets is that prophets are people who can see the world as it is and name that reality while also seeing what the world could be and moving towards that possibility. So they see what it is, what it could be. And we see this when we are looking at the biblical prophets. Uh, normally they start by proclaiming judgment for a particular set of activities that's being um, lived out. They proclaim judgment and then they say, but here's what's possible if you repent and turn to God. So prophets are, are naming very honestly the flaws of our present age, but also imagining something bigger, something better that could come when we allow God in. I'll shift to naming just a few folks that stand out to me um, as prophets. As I said when I started, I could name hundreds probably, and each of you could do the same. Um, so these are just a couple of examples. Um, many folks fit in this category. So the first I have is Dolores Huerta. She is the co-founder of the United Farm Workers Association, a labor rights organization, um, community organizing group. She co-founded that with Cesar Chavez. She organized workers, negotiated contracts, and advocated for safety. So as part of that work, she offered a prophetic word, naming possibilities. She also organized people, so we can see that as the prophet um, helping with the rule of a community, bringing people together, um, helping to guide uh, their life together, and name possibilities for that group. Dolores Huerta also is the founder of the Dolores Huerta Foundation for Community Organizing and Movement Building. So much of that work is uh, centered around labor rights still, um, around unionizing, things of that nature, uh, but they also help folks to learn about community organizing and movement building more generally. Um, and I think community organizing inherently has kind of a prophetic nature to it um, because it involves naming possibility, gathering people around that possibility, building followers, um, and then trying to move towards um, what the world could be. Um, so Dolores Huerta, community organizer, labor rights activist. This is a quote from her. Every movement is an organizing opportunity. Every person, a potential activist. Every minute, a chance to change the world. I would add that we are all potential prophets as well. Um, there's a strong connection between, I think, the work of activism and prophecy. And that last bit, every minute, a chance to change the world, reminds me of that prayer um, about Oscar Romero's life as well. That it's those little things that add up. Miriam Kaba is another prophet that comes to my mind. Uh, she is the director of Project Nia, which works to end child and young adult incarceration through restorative and transformative justice practices. So she firmly believes that 
incarceration is not necessarily the solution, particularly for children and young adults um, who have gotten caught in the justice system for various crimes. Uh, she believes that restorative and transformative justice practices have possibility to genuinely offer healing um, for both those who have committed crimes and those who are victims of those crimes. That there's something um, more powerful that happens through restorative practice um, than simply in incarceration. She also is part of Sojourners for Justice Press. This is a micro press. They particularly um, offer zines, short magazines, um, small books, uh, and they center their work on black feminist and abolitionist visions. She's also an author. This is just a short list of some of her books. There's, there's others as well. Um, so you'll see that her work focuses on abolition, um, on the work of black women, um, and also she does some work on community organizing too. So she's, she's naming the problems with our um, justice system and also naming the possibility that exists when we work together as a community. This is a long quote from her, um, but I'll read it aloud and you can also read it there. People like me who want to abolish prisons and police, however, have a vision of a different society built on cooperation instead of individualism, on mutual aid instead of self-preservation. What would the country look like if it had billions of extra dollars to spend on housing, food, and education for all? This change in society wouldn't happen immediately, but the protests show that many people are ready to embrace a different vision of safety and justice. So lots of vision language there, which is part of the work of a prophet. Um, Oscar Romero is someone that I would regard as a prophet. Um, he had a really powerful ministry, including uh, while he was Archbishop of San Salvador. And he became a real voice for the voiceless, particularly um, people in poverty. He noticed that many of the clergy around him were wealthy and did not have much concern for the poor. Uh, and he thought that that didn't seem quite right, to which I agree. Um, Jesus had lots of things to say about caring for the poor, and that really centered um, Oscar Romero's ministry. He was an advocate of peace in San Salvador. Um, when they were on the verge of civil war, he called for peaceful resolution. That didn't work out very well for him. Um, people on both sides uh, really disagreed with him trying to seek peace um, in the midst of those conflicts. He became a Eucharistic martyr, which is a term that um, the Roman Catholic Church uses for martyrs killed during the Eucharist. So in the midst of him celebrating the Eucharist, standing at the table, he was assassinated um, in March of 1980. Um, so his faithfulness right to the end, I find really inspiring. Um, there's a great documentary about Oscar Romero and his work. Um, if you are curious to learn more. This is just one short quote from him. How are we going to sow love in a community if we only sow hate? 
where does love come from if the only thing we're putting out is hate? Um, so you can see there him talking um, in part about nonviolence, in part about the way that we care for the poor. Um, that was really his mission, was sowing love and care for all people. The last one that I'll name before we have some conversation is our dear Mr. Rogers. You might not have immediately thought of Mr. Rogers as a prophet, but I think we can apply that category and definition to him and his work. Um, he went to seminary and also did graduate studies in child development. And of course, we all know him for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, he centered that program on social and emotional learning. He taught civility, tolerance, sharing, self-worth, um, gave a moral ethic for children, which is not something that most television was doing at that time. So he was offering something really new in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood um, that wasn't offered on television. He spoke to the Senate Subcommittee on Communications uh, when there were many millions of dollars that were cut from that budget um, that were going to children's television, particularly with PBS. Um, and he went and spoke to the subcommittee and they changed their minds and gave the money back. Amazing when testimony works. Um, and much of what he had to say, um, this is available um, on YouTube and such if you're curious about it, uh, but basically he said, we're offering something unique with programs like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. We're offering, offering something that children really need. Um, they need this social emotional learning um, and need to be taught how to be a person in community. Uh, he also did a lot of work that um, was ahead of his time related to race, to sexuality, to appreciation um, of the many ways people contribute to society. Um, so deep love for Mr. Rogers, and I really do think that he had a prophetic vision to share with us, just in a slightly different way. And I, I think it's helpful for us to see people um, that we might think of as having really gentle spirits as prophets. Being a prophet doesn't mean um, that you have to be the loudest voice in the room um, or the first in line for um, any particular charge, but it is a matter of faithfully speaking to possibility, and I think that's exactly what he did. Here's a quote from him. Our society is much more interested in information than wonder, in noise rather than silence. And I feel that we need a lot more wonder and a lot more silence in our lives. So naming, um, what would it look like if we had more opportunity for wonder, um, for, for learning together, for being in community? Um, and then this picture is a, a well-known um, one of him and his friends, his friend uh, Francois Clemens, um, a black man, police officer, also a gay man. Um, and for him to be sitting um, here in this pool with his friend Francois, as there um, were people who were saying, we should just drain the pools if races are going to have to share the same pools. And Mr. Rogers said, no, I'm gonna share the pool with my friend. Why would I not share the pool with my friend? So he featured his friend, Francois, um, 
and named. This, this is the possibility of friendship, of sharing resources, um, and then it, it also is of significance that um, Francois Clemens is a gay man too. So some layers there. I'm curious, just off the bat, who comes up for you as you were listening or as you um, think about this idea of modern prophets? What comes up for you? Yeah. Martin Luther King, absolutely, absolutely. Who else? Uh, Greta, what is, yes, thank you, um, yes. A, a young prophet, too. Um, age is not a qualification for prophecy, indeed. Um, speaking out for the care of our earth. Come up here, maybe. Um, and I'm interested if how much for both you and you think like uh, Christian religion in general would consider folks who aren't of that faith, like Gandhi comes to mind immediately. Sure. He's Hindu, and sort of how you see folks outside of the faith as being prophets for our purposes. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important for us to recognize the work of prophets of of many religions or of no religion. Um, there are plenty of people that I think are naming a prophetic witness that they might not attach to God and God's kingdom. Um, but when we hear it, it sparks something within our life of faith. So I think that um, there's a certain kind of transference that happens that when you think of someone like Gandhi, um, we don't share the same faith, and yet there are principles that we share. There's a vision for the world that we share. Um, and for me, when I hear that vision from someone who has a different faith, it still does speak to me in my Christian identity. Um, so I think it's important to, to look to folks of, of all faiths. Yeah. Tiknahan, yes, absolutely and who uses poetry as um, part of his prophetic witness. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, engaged in the Paris peace talks. Mm -hmm. Yes. Anybody else come to your mind? Yeah. Bob Dylan. Yeah. Peter, Paul, and Mary offering their spirit um, to music. Yeah. I have a question. Uh huh. I would say so. Um, yeah, the definition I shared at the beginning is focused primarily on um, biblical prophets. Um, and of course, their spoken word is more of what is recorded. But I'm sure that both in biblical times and certainly today, we can look to visual artists as well um, as prophets who are 
really showing a new possibility. So thanks for naming that. Yeah, vis visual artists. Many forms of art, I think, can be a, a prophetic word, even if it's not using words. Is there someone you're thinking of? Well, I was thinking about the recently formed group of St. Sure. Um, these people tend to be, the ones that we've used as an example, tend to be politically active. Are there current day prophets who are more um, narrowly focused on faith? Mm -hmm. The question is about the political engagement of prophets, and are there folks that are engaged more narrowly with? Um, with faith. There are people that I would say are offering prophetic witness directly to and within the church, people who are naming um, that the institution of the church is not operating in the way that it ought to. And I think in many ways, um, Oscar Romero was, of course, very politically involved, but he was doing that work within the church, too. Um, so a great question. I think many prophets that come to my mind are politically engaged because that offers kind of a broad look at our world. Um, but certainly there are people who are engaged with institutions of other kinds. Yeah, Mary Beth, all the way in the back. I can hear you. Zelensky. Somebody who is very faithful, who has a vision. So, you know, it is certainly in secular political circles. Mm -hmm. And then the Catholic tradition from a few years back, Daniel Berrigan, a Jesuit priest, Dorothy Day, founded the Catholic Worker. Mm -hmm. Thomas Merton, Dorothy Day, and I'm sorry, who was the first? I, I feel like I'm in the center. Mm. And then the other thing he said was that he really believed that if the world destroyed itself, it would be named as a religious act, which I think I remember a lot mm -hmm. these days. Yeah, that is a memorable statement. Mm -hmm. Let's think for a moment about uh, what it means for each of us to live a prophetic life. 
Um, these are some ways that I think about the prophetic life, and you can certainly add your own. But I think part of the work of a modern prophet is speaking up. We're naming the possibilities for a better world, and in the case of Christians, for the, the possibility of the kingdom of God here on earth. Um, speaking truth to power and courageously naming injustice are, are things that come to my mind. Taking action is a way of living a prophetic life through activism, through community care, um, using the strengths that God has given us, using our special training for the care of the people around us. Um, and I also thought about um, this piece of scripture, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, and I think that's taking action financially, but I also think it is treasure in terms of the gifts that we have, in terms of our resources of time. Um, wherever we put those things, our heart will follow, our faith will follow. Um, so I think that's another way to take action um, that may or may not be politically connected. That could be within the church, that could be within um, a secular community care organization. There's lots of ways that that could come up. Um, prophets also often do the work of leading and guiding. Um, they help people to hear God's call and God's possibility. Um, that can happen through the work of proclamation, through interpretation. Um, some of those things we named at the beginning um, can also happen through the work of prayer. Um, I think that people who pray really faithfully uh, can also offer something prophetic in that. There is a piece of a prophetic life that's about offering guidance and wisdom, um, and it can also be things like organizing your community, um, either uh, in informal ways or more formal community organizing like we've talked about today. Are there other ways that um, you think that you are living a prophetic life or ways that you see people around you living a prophetic life? Mm -hmm. uh, the worshiper that spoke to me, spoke to my soul, was Trevor Armbruster. I don't know, he was here before you came sometime. But he started an organization called Rebuilding Together. Rebuilding Together. Yeah, rebuilding together, starting out of this parish um, through Trevor going and gathering people together around this cause of caring for one another. Absolutely a prophetic work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll repeat that, the Robert Kennedy quote, some people see things as they are and ask why. I see things as they could be and ask why not. Um, I think that's absolutely the work of the prophet. Um, it's seeing what is um, and also seeing what could be and working towards that possibility. Where do you see that possibility? What, what could be in this world that, that isn't just yet, that maybe we can have a part in? It's a big question. But I wonder where you see possibility. Science. Social services, mm -hmm. community care, national health care. Mm -hmm. I see possibility in things like community gardens, um, community playgrounds, places where people come together and can experience uh, joy and flourishing. Um, in the case of a community garden, it also helps for people to be fed. Um, that's something that shows possibility for me. Yeah, finding ways for peace in the Holy Land, a, a, a place that is sacred to many. Um, and then seeing that hopefully spread in the world. The possibility of a world without war might be a, something that we could name. Or a world where Everyone has a place to rest their head and um, a full belly. Um, those are possibilities we might imagine. Yeah. Yeah. A possibility of a, a couple of years of, of service. Um, for all people um, after high school, or at least broader options for it, resources for that. Well, whether you're ready to name them or loud or not, I hope that something in this uh, spoke possibility to you um, I hope that this can be something that inspires you to lean into your prophetic side, whether you think it's there or not. Um, it is. We just don't always exercise those muscles. Um, some folks are particularly prophetic and um, do that comfortably with ease. Um, and for some of us, it's a little harder. But I, I invite you to lean into that and to see where possibility exists 
in the world at large, but also maybe on your block. Um, maybe it's just in your neighborhood, something really small. Um, we don't have to change the whole world overnight, um, but find that space of possibility and see how you can lean into the prophetic life. Hopefully something in this inspires you. Thank you all for being here. <laughs>